It's January the 22nd. Let's read the Bible. Hello, friends. My name is Ray Pritchard, president of Keep Believing Ministries. Thank you for joining us for this year-long adventure, this marathon journey from Genesis to Revelation. Hey, folks, something really exciting. We are starting the book of Exodus today. Really good. We've done Genesis. We've done Psalm 1 through 15. And today we're going to start the book of Exodus. Before we do, let me remind you and encourage you, go to keepbelieving.com and download the free PDFs with the uh, reading guide so you can follow with us day by day. And thanks also for telling your friends. I noted this morning, a lot of you have been sharing on Facebook. You've been sharing the daily videos with your friends. Thank you so much. That helps us reach more and more people. You know, our plan is very simple. It's just to read the Word of God. People have said to me, uh, are you going to make a lot of comments? A little bit here and there, but mostly the Bible stands as written. So we're going to read it, believe it, and it's going to help us. We've been praying all along, oh Lord, uh, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your Word. And by the way, Throughout the whole book of Exodus, I will be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Three quick points about the book of Exodus. Number one, when Exodus begins, about 400 years have passed. You know, in the Bible, uh, the English Bible, you've got Genesis 50 and Exodus 1. What you can't see is about 400 years between those two chapters. Number two, Moses is not only the star, <laughs> humanly speaking, of the book of Exodus, uh, this, his story in these early chapters, he's the author of this book. The third thing I want to say is, as we read through this book, pay close attention because it's going to teach us about God, about his power, about his character, about his glory. It's going to show us how God works to save his people. All right, then, Exodus chapter one. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Each came with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Python and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first, whose name was Shiprah, and the second, whose name was Puah, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, Observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. 
They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. This is murder. This is genocide. This is state-sponsored terror. And God bless Sheprah and Puah, who feared God more than they feared the king. Reminds us, doesn't it, of way down there in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, I believe it is, we must obey what? God rather than man. And so now the, the Pharaoh, filled with hatred and fear and animosity, he, he gets the whole nation involved in killing the Hebrew baby boys. Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the tribe, from the family of Levi, married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile when her serp, while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. And there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people, looking all around and seeing no one. He struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a commander and judge over us? The man replied, are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away. But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Ruel, he asked, why have you come back so quickly today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. 
Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son whom she named Gershom, for whom he named Gershom, for he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out, and their cry for help because of their difficult labor ascended to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Just two chapters, friends. We've already covered 80 years of Moses' life, his birth, 40 years growing up in the lap of luxury as as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then after he killed the Egyptian, ran off 40 years in the desert, 40 years of luxury, 40 years of favor and blessing as the Egyptian, 40 years in the desert. Now, we're about to start, about to begin, the 40 years for which we most remember Moses. It all starts in chapter 3. He's 80 years old now. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and take a look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you were standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. So because of the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will surely be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you when you bring the people out of Egypt. You will worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
And Jacob has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to what you say. Then you, along with all the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it, after that, he will let you go. And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters so you will plunder the Egyptians. Wow, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. 80 years old now. 80 years old. and The work of his life is just beginning. God knows what he's doing. He's working across the generations. God always knew Moses was going to be his man. But Moses was not ready. During his time in Egypt, Moses was not ready when he killed that Egyptian soldier. Moses wasn't ready until 80 years had passed and when the time had come, when God said everything is set. By the way, one last little thing here. We've got to wrap up for today. Isn't it something? What was Moses doing when he got up that morning, the burning bush that morning? He had no idea. When he was leading them to water, he had no idea when he was, you know, taking care of the sheep. I'm just saying, out there in the desert, God knew where he was. God knows where you are today. Be encouraged. If you can find Moses out in the desert, he knows where you are. He knows where you need to be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Let us then be encouraged from this story of the beginning. These beginning days of Moses' career. As a great leader, God knows he'll take care of you today, tomorrow, and always. One reason these stories are in the Bible to teach us that God is good. He knows what he's doing, again, even when we don't have a clue. That's the Bible reading for today. Go out and have a great, faith-filled day for the Lord. Come back tomorrow morning. We'll do this again. God bless.